Welcome to the Club Soda Club. We're three friends, each with our own sobriety story. Sharing our personal experiences and what we've learned along the way about leading a new alcohol-free life. Hi, and welcome to meeting, what did we say it was? 12? Oh my god. <laughs> 12, yeah. Literally just 12. said it. The, the first tw- one of all of us together. Yeah. The 12th meeting of the Club Soda Club. We're going to do a quick roll call. Uh, Scott? Present. Uh, I'm, I'm Derek. I'm present. And we have new permanent co-host, Kate, joining us. Uh, hi, Kate. Hi. Present. Perfect. I'm here. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Kate has, after her baller of an episode uh, last time discussing the pink cloud, she has decided to come on and join the club full time. Yeah. Uh, happy so to be here. We're happy to have you. So with uh, Valentine's Day coming up, obviously, uh, regardless of your take on it, whether it's like a manufactured Hallmark holiday, uh, love and romance is definitely in the air. Uh, so we wanted to spend this episode discussing uh, love, intimacy, sex, relationships, when you're sober, navigating those. This is something we had kind of touched on uh, in a previous episode, but wanted to uh, get Kate's opinion on it because our takes were all generally pretty boring in that uh, we were all in like long-term relationships uh, when we sobered up. Scott, I'm sure you might have some some meat to uh, provide here as well. Um, oh, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. Me- metaphorical meat. Uh, <laughs> metaphorical meat. My, that's my emo band. <laughs> um so yeah let's uh let's get right into it um uh i guess first discussion point for for all of us is like what what role did alcohol play in your relationships whether they be like romantic sexual uh intimate how how did alcohol impact those um yeah, let's start. Let's start there. Hmm. Uh, so I wanted to preface all of this especially conversation and going forth with all the rest of the club soda club. All right. Not everyone realizes that Derek and I are in a relationship. If they, I know that we think that it's obvious, but a lot of listeners might not know. Yeah, last time we, we did. are in a relationship. We didn't clarify that. Uh, I just assumed everyone knew because I never shut the fuck up about it. But uh, thank you, Katie. So that does help, uh, especially for the the purpose of today's episode, where we're allegedly going to talk about how wonderful a sober relationship with each other is. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, boy. Damn. <laughs> maybe Kate's, Kate's bringing the meat. Yeah, metaphorically. Now everybody knows. Um, so, who wants to start? Well, uh, uh, maybe I'll start because I'm not in a relationship with either of you. Uh, and okay. Not yet you are. <laughs> not yet. Um, Do you want to be? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk about my metaphorical meat after the podcast. Um, so, I think for me, uh, I'm 
pretty happy that I didn't have to get into a relationship as a sober person because it would be really hard. Uh, I know that in my 20s and throughout my single years and dating years and stuff like that, I mean, alcohol was definitely a huge factor in any uh, dates that I went on or hookups or, or whatever uh, you want to call it. Um, I, I just, even now as a, as a sober person who's been in a relationship with somebody for, man, it's, it's coming up on 20 years in a couple of years, it's still very different than it used to be. I thought you were only 20 years old. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. We've been, we've been together since (laughs) Since, we were born. Since birth. Congrats. Yeah. It's a, it's a cultural thing. Um, (laughs) so yeah, like (laughs) It, it uh, my wife is not sober, so there's definitely a, a very different dynamic to our uh, love life than there was when neither of us were sober. And uh, I'm not saying it's bad, and I'm not necessarily saying it's good. It's just different. There's a different rhythm to it. There's a, a definite uh, give and take, I would say, that, that uh, it, I think it's harder for me to be intimate honestly, uh, than it used to be because intimacy was just something that sort of spills out of you, whether you wanted to or not, when you drink and you have to figure out a way to still have that excitement and intimacy and passion without it being needed to be fueled by, uh, drugs or alcohol or whatever. And that's been a difficult road to navigate down, but I think we're, I think we're doing okay, but she's not on the podcast. So, you know, I'll just, yeah. <laughs> you, you can yeah. speak for, yeah. Yeah. Um, what that's interesting. Do you think that the, the alcohol fueled in intimacy, uh, do you think that's like, do you think that's an authentic thing or do you think that's, uh, no. just a byproduct of, of no. drinking? No, it's a byproduct of drinking for sure. And I think that, you know, before, uh, before I was with my wife, uh, in intimacy, whatever you want to call it. I'm doing air quotes. I know you, I can see you guys, but nobody else can see us. Uh, Intimacy, I think is not the word I would use for, uh, uh, you know, drunken hookups. And and honestly, I think looking over my long-term relationships, alcohol sort of stunts real intimacy because you're never really yourself. You're just kind of a numbed version of yourself in those moments when you're uh, drunk or whatever, whatever your vice is, you're not you, right? So you're not, it's not, to me, it's not authentic intimacy and you don't get that connection with somebody because you always have to have that substance or that help to be intimate. And I, I think that it's better without it. And it's, you know, it's, it's weird to say that because it sometimes it maybe doesn't feel that way, but I know that it is. And I think that if you were to ask my partner she would agree again i'm just going to answer for her because she's not here um but yeah it's it's definitely harder but i think it's more rewarding because the intimacy just it feels more real because there's nothing in in between it's just you you know what i mean definitely and i was going to ask you if you thought that there was when you got sober if you thought that there was a an adjustment period um that you had to get used to yeah yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, 
I, I still think that I'm in that adjustment period. You know, it's been four <laughs> yeah, years. Still yeah, like yeah, yeah. Working through yeah. That. It's definitely, there's a different, th- this would have been a lot different. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, what year is it? Oh my God. I'm going to be 42 this year. And I think this mm-hmm. would have been a lot different, maybe like 15 years ago. Uh, I think me being a middle-aged man, uh, you know, other things are slowing down, <laughs> we'll say. And uh, I don't have that same, uh, like, when you're a young man, like, you have this insatiable need for for intimacy or sex or whatever. Like, it's crazy. And and uh, I think it's more on the sex the sex side of things, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah maybe not intimacy, keep sex those for sure. In conjunction. Yeah. yeah, they're definitely not the same thing. Um, but I think, you know, it, I think it's probably easier for me at this stage in my life to deal with it because it's not like something that's always on my mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. What about you guys? Oh, you want me to? I, I, yeah. can I was like, I didn't think I was going to have much to offer here because I was like, I was a long term relationship guy. Like I was in a nine year relationship, a three year relationship, a six year relationship uh, with like basically a year in between those. Um, but looking back at my relationships and especially in the courting process at the beginning of those relationships, like if that was all booze fueled, 100%. Like I think, um, uh, with, uh, definitely with, uh, Courtney, who was my most, uh, recent ex and the mother of my child, we spent, uh, we dated for like three months before we got pregnant. And over those three months, I think we maybe spent two or three hours sober together in that entire time. It was like, we would get together and we, it didn't matter what we were doing. Uh, we were just getting drunk and, um, you know, looking back, like hindsight is 2020, but when, when we were removed enough from that situation, uh, and the reality, like, oh, sh- holy shit, we're having a kid set in. Um, we, that drinking in the, in the moment, it seemed like a, it seemed like it was enabling us to like get to know each other and build this really solid connection and like be totally open and honest and vulnerable with each other. And then after enough time had passed, we found out that like, that was all bullshit. We didn't, we didn't know each other at all the people who we were when we were drinking and the way we connected when we were drinking was not meaningful in any way. Uh, and as a result of that, you know, obviously the relationship didn't work out. Um, and that was kind of a a theme, uh, even when I was single, like I did not know how to, uh, date people sober at all. Um, I don't think I had ever gone on a sober date in my life until definitely not a sober first date until I like fully sobered up. Um, so so what, what was the question? What am I answer? <laughs> I think we're talking generically here. <laughs> just did. Yeah. Uh, our own experiences was, with, uh, we're just having a conversation. Derek, welcome to the think- podcast. <laughs> It's great to be. Was there like, do you remember a dynamic shift between like when Courtney was pregnant and she had to stop drinking, but you were kept drinking? 
Oh, absolutely. It was mostly, uh, there were two factors at play there. One was, um, I started drinking more because I was like, holy fuck. Like my, basically my take on, like I was excited to have a child and whatnot, all that. But, um, it was also kind of my way of coping with like this oppressive future that was looming over me was to like go out and get blitzed with my friends every weekend. Um, I've talked about it before on this podcast, but like when, when Noah was conceived and then came into this world, that was really when my dr- drinking kicked into overdrive. Um, and then the, the flip side of that was that she was really resentful. Um, part of it was that she really wanted to drink and could not. And the second part was that I was not being a supportive partner. Um, because I was uh, acting in the, I was going in the opposite direction. I was like overcompensating and going out and drinking more. And then about, what about the flip side when you stopped drinking and she was still drinking? It was interesting because that really informed how uh, the dynamic after I sobered up because uh, it was basically when I first sobered up and she kept drinking. And at first, I tried to like go into it being like, okay, I can't mandate anyone else's behavior. I can't, I can't tell Cordy that she can't drink. All I can do is like set my boundaries, say what I'm comfortable with. And then if anyone crosses those, it's up to me what I do with that situation. Um, And I kind of stuck to that for, you know, four or five months. And Cordy was uh, a heavy ish drinker. Like I say that without judgment, but like, uh, if she was attending a social function, it was to drink. If she was, she was very much like I was before I quit drinking, like drinking factored heavily into, uh, any social activities that I did. So, um, so once resentment started cropping up on my end and I started voicing that with her, uh, her, her approach to it was basically, uh, oh, well, I had to do this for nine months so you can just deal with it. Um, So I like literally started counting the days up to, I was like, you get this up to nine months. And then after that, we're having a conversation because we are no longer even. Um, But yeah, it was definitely like this, this festering resentment that just kind of sat because um, it was the same thing. It was as far as I was concerned, uh, I I was looking to her for, for support in my sobriety. Uh, and I didn't feel like I ever really got that from her. Yeah, I I feel pretty lucky that uh, that my wife and I didn't really have that um, sort of resentment, or I didn't have that resentment towards her when I quit. Um, and maybe she had some resentment towards me when she was pregnant with our daughter. I'm, I'm pretty sure she did actually, but I enjoyed having a driver, which was great. <laughs> uh, but I mean, now she's had one for like four years, right? So uh, you know, when we go out to social functions, she'll she'll drink wine and and uh, never has to worry about how she's getting home. And uh, definitely a weird plus side of having a sober partner. Uh, you've always got your own personal sober ride home, which is great. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Kate, Kate and I just take turns chauffeuring each other all over the place. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, why not? Sober, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kate, you, you think, I think, oh. sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask a question. Like, do you think that there was 
resentment on either of your partner's side where they were missing their drinking buddy? Yeah, for for a little while. I think that that was definitely the case with us. But then I sort of figured out that I was still pretty much exactly the same guy. And uh, so I just started going out with her to the same places and just not drinking when we were there. And we would still have a great time. And, and uh, yeah, and then everybody got home safe. And <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think, yeah, for a, for a brief time anyways, there was probably some resentment because I think the knee-jerk reaction when you stop drinking is to just drastically change everything in your life. And uh, for some people, I think it has to be that way. Um, but not for everybody. Um, some people maybe can't go back to the places they used to go to when they were drinking or, or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, for me, it, it's been, it took a while, but yeah, I mean, we, we go for dinner at a, a pub we used to go to all the time quite often. And, and uh, yeah, so no, nothing's really changed in that regard. It's just, uh, I think that that's, Probably why there hasn't been a bunch of resentment is because nothing's really changed for us. Well, I think, yeah, you can, you can still hang out. You can still have fun. I think the the drinking buddy aspect of it is maybe like an enabler, like someone to be like, Oh, I'm going to get shit faced with you. So you don't feel bad about uh, overconsumption yourself. I think it's really funny when somebody else, whether it's my wife or a friend or whatever, gets shit faced with me. And I just, sitting there watching them (laughs) (laughs) silently judging yeah 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 and then i'm like okay you ready for a lift home pal let's get out of here you know yeah it's pretty funny (laughs) yeah usually when i can i can like instantly tell now when someone is blacking out and i'm like okay it's time to go yeah 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 and uh, yeah i mean without a sober friend you just black out in the corner of a public bathroom somewhere and you know we're here to rescue you basically what it comes down to yeah i re- i i regret not having a sober friend when during my heavy drinking days because definitely could have used one of those oh yeah oh yeah i so honestly Kate, don't think i would have tolerated one but I no, like, yeah, yeah that's wrong fair with you. yeah i don't know if i would have either <laughs> yeah uh so kate you had uh kind of a different experience through drinking and and sobriety um you want to talk because you were you were single when you sobered up yeah i have been single most of my life and i think that um a lot of my experience is something that a lot of women can relate to um so starting off like i've only ever been in two serious relationships and both of them i was sober when i started them The first one was 10 years ago and I was sober and I started off sober. My partner was not sober. He loved to drink. And for the first nine months of our relationship, I was sober and he drank a lot and we'd go to the bar and I'd watch him drink. But I just, I don't, I didn't really think anything of it. I was only like 22 years old. So I wanted to go out and... Eventually, yes, because um, I felt like uh, if I wanted to go home, he wouldn't go home. And it just always felt like he was choosing alcohol over me. 
And then eventually I started drinking again. And at first I didn't drink that much. Like I was trying to be cautious. And then eventually I started catching up with the amounts that he was drinking and probably how I was drinking uh, previously that had led me to stopping at one point. And then I drank up until 2017 and for two heavy drinkers to be in a relationship together, then it just turned into a mess. And like our breakup was us getting into a physical fight wasted and then never talking to each other again. So, um, so over the last however many years, I guess five, six years, I was single the entire time. And I would say like 75% of all sex that I've ever had was drunk and under the influence of something and occurring after midnight. And, Unfortunately, some of it has been while I was blacked out and getting into like a weird area where um, I would hook up with people that I had no intention to and I wouldn't have hooked up with while I was sober. And then finding out the next day that we did and then you're getting into shame and um, probably some sketchy areas of consent um if I never really had the intention of hooking up with someone and then finding out that I did while I was drunk and was that my fault was it their fault was it both of our fault because we were both drunk like who was more drunk um did someone actually know what was going on and um can I ask you a, a quick question to deal with that yep uh, around so now it looks like they're they're really starting to evaluate like they're saying that if you are drunk you are not of sound mm-hmm. mind and you're not able to give consent legally um is that something you agree with is it, is it something that you feel is is necessary and uh is it even something that like people could enforce um i've always kind of had questions around that I have heard of things where it's like both people have to sign something before they have sex, but like, I don't know. Sounds like a mood killer. Well, yeah. Um, a waiver around, you know? Well, like a, a drunk yeah. person is still like, going to fucking sign that, right? Like, yeah. Right. And like, I guess because there was just like always question around like what had happened. And like, I pretty much blacked out very easily. Um, so. I guess I never had a feeling where it was like um, someone intentionally did something to me where I was like, oh shit, that happened while we were drunk. And now I'm going to have to deal with the repercussions Um, as like the uh, two-sidedness of men having sex and women having sex and how they both deal with that and um, the repercussions, I guess, from that. Um, so, and then I, sober dating, or actually I was never really a dater either. So I would like go on the app and I would set up a date and I talked to someone and I just don't know if I was never really interested in it or 
I just felt like something that I should do, but I would get extremely nervous with four dates. And there's been times where I had um, a six pack before drinking. <laughs> and then that's also too getting, that can be dangerous too, because, you know, usually meeting up and you keep drinking. And um, then your inhibitions are lowered and you say things that you probably don't mean or you reveal too much about yourself or um, maybe you don't have the confidence when someone's like, oh, do you want to keep hanging out or you want to go back to my place to say no and or things are leading into something and you just feel this uncomfortableness to stop it. Um, so you kind of just go along with it. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, I think that the experience for a sober woman versus a sober man are incredibly different. And, uh, it's, it's scary being like each even just hearing you describe, uh, what it was like, um, you know, the, the issues around consent, uh, the issues around maybe not having the confidence to stop something that you didn't want to happen because because uh, you had been drinking or whatever. That's really frightening, you know, and it's something that I think for me as a guy, it's something that I wouldn't necessarily uh, think about, uh, especially being sober. Like it doesn't. It, yeah, it's just it's just. I'm glad that that conversation is more prevalent now about uh, consent, because I think that when it comes to drinking and sex and intimacy and relationships there, you know, even in a relationship, there's still consent, you know, and it, and it's when people are drinking, sometimes lines can be crossed and, and that gets into a whole uh, gray area with, uh, well, you're, you know, well, you're in a relationship with this person. Well, that doesn't matter. Consent is still consent. And I, I think that um, sobriety just brings a whole nother thing into that. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I've the had, more I've, alcohol. Yeah, go ahead, Derek. Uh, the more alcohol is introduced, I think the more those lines definitely get blurred. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Kate, you and I had a conversation oh. when. Uh, when you were here and it, it was interesting because it was about you made a comment about how like when women went out to drink it was like it was usually to like have fun or dance or hang out with friends and then uh if if you know shit went south and you ended up hooking up with a guy it would usually um result in like shame and and a lot of self-loathing after the fact whereas i knew when when i was a guy and all the guys i knew when we were going out drinking, our intent was to hook up. hundred percent. That was yeah. like, yep. that got, for guys, that is the goal. Like yep. having fun with your friends is secondary. Uh, you want to hook up with the girl. And whereas for girls, it's let's just go out and have a good time. And then you have all these like shitty, drunk, creepy dudes, like preying on you or taking advantage of you. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, mostly it just made me feel shitty about my yeah. behavior back oh, yeah. in the day. But um, it's it's also a really interesting dynamic. And I think like that, that by and large, I think women generally come out of those experiences feeling really shitty. 
uh, whereas men are all like patting themselves on the back and, and bro culture. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, so we were just having, Derek and I were just having a conversation. Because um, I still have like some of that drunk hookup shame that I used to, that, you know, compounded itself over the years. And we were talking about how Derek doesn't have any. Um, (laughs) We were trying to figure out, like... Derek's a pretty shameless guy. Yeah, well, true. But we were trying to figure out how how that, how they could relate to each other. And I, I, my reasoning was because, you know, like, obviously for him, like, that's, you're going out, you have two objectives to get drunk and get laid. And... One and for one women, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For women, it was like it's not like that. For most most of the time, I can't say that like yeah. there wasn't one time when I went out and I was like, I hope I don't come alone tonight. But. <laughs> yeah, Kate, <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, man, we're learning. We're learning today. I love this. So innocent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you met a handsome Canadian man named Derek, and your world has changed forever. Yeah, so yeah. let's talk. Let's talk about. Let's not talk about. <laughs> let's that talk about Derek. <laughs> let's yeah. talk about how how the dynamic shifted for you when you started uh, sober dating. Like, did you feel like you were able to to kind of take take more control, stop finding yourself in like those shitty compromising situations, or having the confidence to say no? Um, was did you um, see benefits in when you made the transition to sober dating? So interestingly enough, for the first entire year that I was sober, and this maybe at first it was intentional, but by the time like 13 months hit, I was like, okay, um, when I mean, I just want to get this over with. But so I did not even kiss anyone for the first, first 13 months of my sobriety. And I kind of was just, I wasn't white knuckling by any means, but it was just like, I wasn't in that scenario anymore to put myself in where I'm like drunk hooking up with people. And I guess I didn't really know how to operate outside of that. And I was going like during that first 13 months, I think I went, I can only remember one date that I went on and it was the first sober one. And I was like, feeling pretty good, feeling confident, like I showed up and that was a big step. And I, within minutes, the guy was like, do you want to sit at the bar or get a table? And I'm like, get a table. Then the waitress comes over and she's like, okay, what do you guys want? And I'm like a Diet Coke and he gets a beer. And then basically within seconds, he's just like, so you don't drink? I'm like, no. And he's like, is something wrong with you? And I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and then I was just like, okay, like, I don't know if I'll, I want to, I don't want to do that again. Um, so I, I took a long break after that. And then eventually, I think it was maybe, when did that happen? Oh, after like the 13 months passed, I was finally like, all right, like, I need to do something different. Like, I need to put myself out there again. So I downloaded uh, Bumble and I matched with someone that 
I had gone to high school with. And pretty much like my whole dating history is someone I had gone to high school with, someone that was a friend of a friend or um, someone that I worked with. Because um, I could never really take a chance on like not knowing the person. So I matched with him and we started dating. And then eventually I had to have sex over for the first time. And I'm like, okay. Then, you know, it happened and I was like, it was not good. <laughs> and that just made me like realize like how shitty like all the drug sex I probably was having. And, um, but being sober too, like I was also able to kind of realize like that this wasn't someone that I wanted to be with because uh, of the way that they were treating me. And I think that if I was still drinking, that it probably just would have let it go until they ghosted me, which she kind of did, but I was able to stand up for myself at least. And then afterwards he, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, why does this keep happening to me? Like, why do I keep dating the same person? Um, kind of like, just like narcissistic, emotionally stunted person. And Thankfully, this emotionally stunted person did say to me that it was not his responsibility um, to reassure me of, like, his feelings. I'm like, okay, yeah. He's right about that. Is that true? <laughs> so I kind of started, like, thinking, like, you know what? It's not his responsibility. I need to be in a place where... I'm not questioning things or, and if I am, then there's a reason that I am and that I, you know, if I, if I keep dating the same person, instead of like blaming these guys and calling them fuck boys, which they are, but there's also a problem with me that I keep picking those type of people. So I started to finally reevaluate, you know, what I was looking for in someone and um what I I hate saying the word deserved because you know everyone's like oh you're in the relationship you deserve like what does that really even mean but um I started reading a lot and I started working on myself and I kind of figured out that I didn't know what um a healthy relationship actually looked like so then I kind of started forgiving myself that you know if I never had an example of a healthy relationship why would I ever be in one or how would I even know how to find that and how would I know like what that looks like or the patterns that um I would be treated so after I went through that transformation I was like okay I'm gonna start dating again but my entire perspective had flipped and I started thinking about instead of like worrying so much, like if this person liked me, I was thinking about if I liked them. And if I was having those little inklings that I had with every single person I ever dated before that, oh, like this doesn't feel right. Like something is weird here. And I always ignored them, but now I'm just listening to them. And um, so I dated um, the guy that I dated briefly for a few months that led me to those reevaluations. He drank 
um, not much, but then I kind of, after that, I decided that I wanted to date someone that didn't drink just because it was someone that I thought would, I would share more values with and more of a lifestyle with. So then I started dating sober people and thankfully Bumble has a, um, a filter on it that you can basically select never drink. And they'll filter filter through for you and you can select that you only ever see those people. So I would do that and I would do it around my area. And then interestingly enough, I found out that not all sober people obviously are the same. And, you know, everyone has their own character um, defects. Uh, and defects. Um, they know <laughs> they work their own program, I think was like a, um, one of the bigger things maybe they didn't see eye to eye on sobriety or we just had different um sobriety stories and um then I was able to and once I realized that I didn't click with them then I was able to like confidently tell them instead of like just stringing them along or just going along with it until eventually it just faded out it's like hey I don't feel a spark here and I would always be afraid of their reaction, even though like I'm totally allowed to have those opinions. And then, you know, that's something that responded. so few people realize. Like you are just yeah. allowed to not. <laughs> yes. They, and they all responded like graciously. So, um, then after that, like I still just like concentrating on what I liked and what. I wanted in a partner and then I found that I matched with, um, you know, a long distance Canadian that doesn't make any sense really logistically, but, um, it makes all the sense everywhere. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here and ask you guys, um, how has it been as two sober people uh, starting a relationship, especially a long distance relationship, but maybe, yeah, maybe that's not the key factor here, but just being two sober people starting a relationship with each other that you've experienced relationships as not sober people and as sober people, like how has it been? So I think it was a combination of things where for me, since I had had um, similar dating patterns and choices that for us the long distance thing was perfect for me because we never met until like knowing each other for like a month first (laughs) and we talked so much during that time that we were able to get to know each other without ever being physical and I think that was huge for me at least and then the sober aspect I think that and like the work that I did for myself that I was just talking about allowed me to be completely vulnerable now. And I think that's the only way that you're able to really make real connections. Um, you know, we could have, you know, we of course have plenty of jokes and times where, you know, we just virtually played Yahtzee or something, but, um, you know, we got into it pretty fast with the emotions and vulnerability and, um, 
I think, like, you know, Derek says that he is a serial monogamist, which is true, but um, even with that, he was able to kind of form, like, maybe what he was looking for as well in his next relationship, his next monogamous relationship. Yeah, I I mean, for me, um, a, a couple things. Like Kate said, um, having the the that we're both sober it it starts us off with that kind of like um that shared experience that shared foundation like we are both kind of coming from the same place um we do have kind of similar uh drinking histories ish and um reasons that we drank uh the second thing on top of that is that like as a result of our sobriety and it's not directly sobriety related, but maybe in a way is that like, we both worked on ourselves. We, we both are doing that. Like that's an ongoing, ongoing thing. Um, and I feel like dating Kate, like she definitely has this level of uh, introspection and, and self-awareness that I don't think I've ever seen in another human being sober or not. Um, so that makes it, a, a lot easier to um to communicate with her um and and to be able to to connect with her in, in a meaningful way and then the third thing is that like yeah like we know like we talked so fucking much when we first started uh after we matched on bumble and um i think because because we were both sober it was just like we were both uh completely authentic like you never had to wonder if you were getting this like uh version of a person like what they were going to remember the next morning um or if they were going to remember the like really dirty shit that you shared in like the not dirty in a sexual way to clarify um or like the yeah like i always knew that um I was getting the the real Kate and and that was who I fell for. It wasn't it wasn't a person that I was going to um have a totally different experience with a week later and and here we are like a year later and she has been the the same person I fell for the entire time. Uh if anything she's she's even gotten better. And then uh we also get that like <laughs> don't let go to your head. <laughs> we also get that uh you know, we, we both like, uh, fucking going to like kombucha bars or like drinking mocktails, or I know Scott, you have feelings on kombucha, uh, but like going, going to restaurants and sampling the mocktails they have, or like just doing like all the hokey, the hokiest sober shit you could imagine. Um, but we really enjoy experiencing that together. So, so I have a weirdly specific question about a sober relationship that uh, I'm going to ask both of you guys, and you can choose which one answers this. Um, people are very self-conscious, right? People have a lot of personal issues, whether they be body issues or whatever. How do you overcome that as a sober person that's going to be in a physical relationship with somebody that's going to have sex with somebody for the first time? How do you gear down and not like run out of the room crying is what I'm asking. I mean, I don't, I don't think either Kate or I is the, are the people to ask about that because yeah. 
I mean, I know personally, like I've never had any shame about my body at all. I mean, you should, Derek, is like, what I'm I, saying. I, like you, well, that's, <laughs> I could use a little more, um, but I've never, uh, yeah, I've, I've never, wow. I've Congratulations. never, Kate, I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think? Uh, about you or your body? No, no, oh no, boy. Wait, fantastic. what have I done here? <laughs> no. Um, I think that I, I personally, I've never really, like, I have your normal body issues, of course. Like, I, like, I'm disgusted by myself pretty much regularly. But when it comes to, like, stripping down and, like, just taking my clothes off and going for it, like, I don't really have any inhibitions there. Um, I'm very... Um, Sex positive. I don't know how I can say that without free being spirited. Yeah, free spirited. So for me, um, in that sense, I don't really have any inhibitions. I think for maybe the biggest challenge would be um, when you. So when I was drinking, I guess. I felt more at ease to act out and participate in like fantasies that I would want to do sober, but I never did. And then I guess um, now being sober, you know, getting to more of a um, not taboo, but just kinkier or whatever it is. Just being like, more, being more free to to know what you like and and to do what you like experiment right? yeah 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 so yeah. you know that that you know is definitely definitely a lot harder hmm. i don't know that the the advice i give to everyone about sobriety whether it's going on dates or having a conversation or attending a party or having sex is just like fucking lean into the awkward because People are like just generally awkward and don't know how to interact with each other. Sex is like this beautiful, amazing, fucking weird experience when you think about it. And if you get two sober people or even one sober person, one drunk person doing it for the first time, um, it's just uh, don't think about yourself. Like it's, it's a hard thing to do in the moment, but like, don't be self-conscious. Don't worry about what you look like. Just like focus on the moment um, and, and see if you can lose yourself in that because uh, yeah, I mean, it's sober sex is um, you know, I think back to the, the first few times I had it like out after my relationship um, and it was fine. I wouldn't say that, that it was uh, the best sex I've ever had, but um it was it was something that there was de- i'm not talking about you kate just so you know you I mean, are. No, that's the problem. You are. <laughs> but uh i think it's it's there is going to be an adjustment period maybe as you get more comfortable with yourself and and learn to find like actual real confidence uh in yourself and your body and your sexual prowess and not just something that's a byproduct of alcohol um yeah. And just fucking like give give yourself the the freedom and have the patience with yourself while you do that because it's not going to be an overnight thing. But once you get to the point where you can, like, uh, it fucking rules. I also yeah. think that 
instead of focusing so much on yourself too, like the other person is probably thinking the exact same thing. So I usually like that would make me a bit more relaxed. Like it's like when you walk into uh when you walk into a party, you're thinking that like everyone else is looking at you, but like really everyone's just so involved in themselves. Like no one's really thinking about you. So yeah. it's just it, that kind of like always has carried over. Um, you know, when I'm at my most um, least self-conscious moments, but, um, and then also too, just as far as like your body, like you have to be kinder to yourself and uh, gentler with yourself. And if I'm ever feeling self-conscious, I just kind of tell myself like, it's okay. Like this is how my body is today. And, um, you know, there's nothing that I can do to change it at this moment, but, um, except how it is yeah yeah i i will echo i think what derek said that sober sex is definitely better <laughs> in my in my experience anyways it's uh yeah you're there and you're like you remember it yeah <laughs> that's like, right i'm like yeah i have experiences that i like try to remember back and i'm like oh yeah that was so great and wild or whatever but then i'm like if you were like watching like a fly on the wall probably was just like to drunk people flopping around so and now yeah, like yeah. with um you know i mean i'm it's like my first relationship experience but um just the intimacy and actual connection with someone it's a lot different for me yeah nice um yeah an, an analogy that we use here well we've talked about it before when we've talked about like how fucking dumb drunk people conversations are now when you're listening to them as a sober person and like yeah. drunk sex is just the sex equivalent of that. Like you might think Talking it's like, with their bodies. Well, yeah, it was just like to like, if, if it's possible to like slur with your body, that's what you're doing when you're having drunk sex. Um, oh my and, God. I imagine, that's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. probably not pretty or enjoyable. And I think uh, we have a tendency to romanticize it or maybe not us personally, but, but people um, yeah. about drunk sex a lot more than, than it actually is. Yeah. Yeah. Drunk anything really. Yeah. Except. Yeah. Oh, that was like looking back. I always think like I drank so much cause I was so bored. I'm, I'm sure of it at this point, just mm. sitting around like, what else am I going to do? Yeah. The one thing that is legitimately better drunk than sober is 7-Eleven food. That's it. That's that's the line. You ever had taquitos sober? They are not. Yeah. They are not. I was talking about I was literally talking about that I guess the other day with someone saying like I was like I forgot what we were talking about but I was like did you ever have that sober? Because there was like a Chinese restaurant in college that we would eat like almost every weekend and then we tried to do a Sober once. <laughs> Disgusting. I think back to, yeah, everything I put in my body when I was drinking. And like now I oh, yeah. it, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah. Trash. Yep. yep. Yeah, the old, uh, the old, you know, 2 a.m. drive through on the way home. Like everybody needs a cheeseburger when they're drunk. Like, yeah. Right. I'm so glad I and, don't and, suffer in from reference that affliction to this, anymore. This conversation, 2 a.m. hookup. Everyone that thought that they needed. 2 a.m. hookup with a cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I picked, All right, I well, picked, maybe now I might start drinking again when you put it like that. 
I, I picked the cheeseburger more times than I care good. to admit. So yeah, same, same. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, because this is our Valentine's Day episode, Valentine's Day is coming up. Probably a lot of sober singles out there looking for love. Uh, Scott, I know you, you're basically like, fuck, whatever. You probably haven't gone on a date with a new person in like 40 years, but... Uh, Not that I tell my wife. Well, <laughs> hey, yo! Yes. Do you and your wife, wife still date? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we feel like you have to like keep up with, always date each other. No, I mean, I, I don't think we, we, I don't think we would label it like that, but we still make sure that we go out just the two of us uh, fairly often and um, we, we'll go away just the two of us also semi-regularly. Um, you got, you got to make the time for each other. Like we've been together for a long time. And uh, if you don't, um, you know, things tend to fall apart pretty quickly when you don't make the time for the important things in your life, whether it's your relationship or whatever, like you, you have to prioritize it. So yeah, it, it's important that especially being sober, that I just don't fall into the a boring pattern of being sober dude at home, drinking busy water, um, doing things on the internet, you know, I got to get like a first Friday night to me. If you would ask. Yeah, Paris, but... Well, fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to lie. If I, I think you guys single, are going to be best friends when Kate moves here. Yeah, I'd be into it if I was single. I could literally, my Friday night would be like uh, editing video and, and drinking a non-alcoholic beer in my garage. You know, that's like the dream with a chihuahua on my lap, you know? Oh my God, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so every we- Friday night, I, every Friday night I would like, at first I had like a pint of Ben and Jerry's and then I would have like, a, and then I moved on to like, Every Friday night, I'd have Whole Foods and a kombucha. So, <laughs> those are when normal people go on dates. So, it's called self care. <laughs> yep, yep, that's right. <laughs> um, so, what what would your advice apart from dating uh, Chihuahuas and kombucha? Whoa, whoa, whoa! They're always got to go with the bestiality, Mister Snaker. We're Vig. family, whoa. Derek. Derek, we're family. This is a family friendly podcast. What would your advice for eight sober pounds singles? Eight looking to get one of them. out uh or people who like i hear horror stories from people all the time a lot of people message me about our van sober meetup group and they're like hey can you have sober singles events because i really like to meet some like sober people um what what's your advice for them uh if they're out there in the like cold and lonely and probably very drunk dating world i don't have any advice because i'm an old man who's been in a relationship for years kate <laughs> Okay, this is your so my advice. Well, now that you finally asked, um, my advice. So my advice stems to uh, sober people and non-sober people as far as dating. And I think that for at least the first date, or the to the fifth date, maybe even like to not drink and do other stuff with each other. So like. Alcohol is supposed to shield and are, you're not really being yourself. And like I said, you could say something you don't mean and overshare and do something that you might not want to do. And it also like you're seeing someone with the rose, the rose colored glass, uh, rose colored glasses where you think they're like so awesome. And maybe that's just their drunk personality too. And there's two like people drinking and 
not getting to know each other whatsoever. Um, so I recommend not drinking on dates and not meeting for drinks and doing something else like going for a walk even or um, any of that and kind of just throwing out the preconceived notions that you have and um, kind of figuring out like making sure you even know what you want while you're dating and what that you're not perfect but an ideal partner would look like for you so as far as like where to meet those people would you guys both recommend bumble like it's been it's been i I met my wife at work like years ago so um I, i don't have any experience with any sort of dating apps at all um but it seems like to me like bumble's the one that's easiest for um the woman to control the interaction i think that's probably a safer bet is that true that's sort of what i gather i mean Um, so everyone talks badly about like using a dating app but sober or not i think that they're just connecting you with people that you're you know most people just go to the same places all the time yeah and they're just connecting you with people that are in your area or not like us but um connecting you with (laughs) North because America is an area. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Across North America. Um, people that you otherwise wouldn't connect with, you know? And yeah. then for us, like Bumble does have a part where you could filter out as you drink. And Dark Hinge does too, right? Yeah. You could at least list that you don't drink. I don't know if they have a filter. Like Bumble has a filter you can search by. Um, so I, as far as yeah. and like if you're in the in a twelve step program, I would not recommend meeting someone there because that is like strictly against what they're about and their rules. So never go to a twelve step program looking interesting to meet someone. Um, I think it's smart, and I think it's um, like Kate. You basically did like a self self imposed. Um, they say that you shouldn't even like date and you shouldn't date anyone from the program, but you shouldn't date anyone for what, like a year normally after you sober up. Um, they say that just cause you can like focus for me, like this is like a whole nother episode of this, but, um, like I'm almost three years sober and like just recently realizing that I probably was like a love addict in addition to alcohol and drug addict. So, um, it just consumption, right? So anything you can get your hands on, you know, emo- yeah. or sex, um, feelings, <laughs> yeah. food, whatever. Um, yeah. My advice to uh, to sober people would be uh oh wait no i do have to give a shout out to bumble because that is where i met kate and i I will always have a uh a special place in my heart for that um but for sober people dating yeah like use use dating apps filter by i would recommend uh giving other sober people a shot i know um or at least dating people who give a shit that you're sober and not in a way that they treat you like a circus sideshow but that they're like genuinely curious and and supportive um my favorite thing like i legitimately love sober dating because i think women are just generally less shitty than men 
Um, so I would go on dates with people and they would, they would, <laughs> okay, you had a look on your face there. Uh, well, every, every, well, during my sober dates, minus that one that I mentioned, like they did ask me if it was okay first if they had a drink. So yeah, find, find people like that. Not the people yeah. who are going to treat you like an asshole. Um, yeah. and you know, honestly, just, uh, accept that, uh, that, if you do go on dates with people and it, it, you aren't, if you're doing it without that social lubricant that you've relied on for so long, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be tough with you at first, but the more dates you get under your belt, like my very first sober date, I was basically just, uh, a nervous wreck. I don't think I've ever been that nervous in my entire life. Um, possibly with the exception of Kate and I's first FaceTime date. But, um, after that first one was out of the way, it was, uh, it got easier and easier to a point where I was just like, just much more like naturally confident in myself and not, not needing alcohol to get there. So give yourself time. After my first one or like, I always get so nervous on the first date, but then like once I get through it, I get like such a rush. I'm like, okay, I want to do that again. I gotta go find someone else on Bumble. Are you a first date addict? Do I have to worry? Yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> I guess I am. <laughs> are, are we breaking up? Yeah, so uh, stay tuned for episode 13. And we'll see uh, who <laughs> shows up again. number 13. The, the yeah. coping with a breakup episode. Sober. <laughs> 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 All right. Also, one more point. Yeah. With the, um, you know, kind of sober dating. Like, you don't have to date someone else that's sober. But I think that you have to be like have a conversation with yourself and generally look for, you know, it's like the same thing. If like, I love dessert and someone actually hates dessert. I'm like not going to get along with them probably. And if you're sober and you're dating someone with problem, problem drinking habits, like you're, you're just a recipe for disaster. Like there are people out there that drink surprisingly healthily and, you know, like are drinking to get drunk or like, you know, I'm yeah. wrong with this, but, um, yeah. yeah, there's people that aren't, so. that drinking's not a real, a real problem for, right. Right. Um, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that respect that my, my wife's been very supportive and, and, uh, um, will ask if it's okay well in the beginning she asked if it was okay if like she ordered a glass of wine when we went for dinner and now she knows that it doesn't matter to me um and she'll go pick me up uh you know club soda or non-alcoholic beer or whatever um and surprise me with it which is nice yeah she's she's been great i'm pretty lucky that way and i know it's not not doesn't work out that way for everybody when they sober up if they're in a relationship and the other person doesn't um but, uh, you know, it's not always doom and gloom. It's just one of you that decides to make the change. So, you know, don't, don't worry about Definitely. the other person. You got to worry about yourself. Right. And, but yeah, as long as their habits aren't, um, going to be challenging your sobriety to the point, like what happened to me where I was like, all right, can't beat them, join them. And then I'm just going to start thinking again because, yeah. That was my solution at the time for that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I could see. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see that being, uh, being tough, you know, uh, it just seems like if you really, uh, have feelings for that person, 
then you just sort of start gravitating to their lifestyle, you know? Yeah, I could see that being really hard. Or even when that became your like your your way of managing their drinking, because yeah. if, if you drank and you joined them, then you didn't have to feel shitty about what they were doing or it wasn't going to cost fights. Yeah. You could just be, even though it was incredibly toxic to yourself, probably. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else to add? Any closing thoughts? Could we jump into recommendations? Oh, recommendations. I'm so oh. rusty at this. I forgot to. to Wait, forgot I thought our recommendation was how to meet sober people. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was my recommendation. Come on, Kate. That's my recommendation, too. Okay, oh. I'll, I'll start off while you guys think about it. Okay. Um, uh, Esther Perel is uh, a, she's a, what, like a sex therapist? Um, like, uh, your crush? I I love this woman. I love her. Uh, <laughs> I I will not even deny it. Um, she's amazing, but she has a podcast called Where Should We Begin? Uh, and this podcast is essentially it's recorded sessions that um, that she does with uh, couples in couples therapy. And she gets their consent, obviously, but she publishes these episodes um, and each one tackles like a different issue. There's one like infidelity, uh, just general intimacy problems. Um, they're really fucking good. And they're like this, it, you, it's like podcast voyeurism. Like you feel like you're in the, the therapist's office, like watching these people work through their shit. Uh, and it is, it's honestly riveting and, and I can't get enough of it. So I would definitely recommend that. Uh, and that's uh, where should we begin the podcast? Is it better than like celebrity couples therapy on VH1? Or is that a real thing? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> good I mean, too. no, they're not celebrities, <laughs> so they just have like boring normal people problems. But oh, like uh, who didn't take the trash out? Polly D and Audrey O'Day. Like, I want to know what they're fighting about. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Polly D is in a relationship with somebody other than Vinny. I was like, Polly D is still culturally <laughs> relevant. Hey, listen, I'm not going to deny that we keep up to date on Jersey Shore. Because <laughs> we do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Who, who's got a recommendation for me or for the listeners? Uh, my recommendation would be to get curious. And um, what I mean by that would be to get curious about yourself. Um, what you want in a relationship, what, you know, if you've noticed patterns, like I dating all the same person and wondering why it never works out, like get curious about that. If you, if it, if you're picking the wrong people too, like you have this idea in your head of someone that you think that you want, um, maybe get curious about that and think about different qualities and um basically like if you want to take dating seriously and just get curious and try to figure out what your ideal relationship is going to look like for you and figure out how you can work towards that awesome uh uh Man, you know what? 
I'm going to recommend my friend Casey Joe's podcast called the Deep V Podcast. Oh, which, Casey Joe uh, from uh, formerly of the the formerly of yeah yeah yeah. We don't say that name apparently. Right. Uh, uh, her podcast is excellent. She uh, is very thoughtful and talks about being vulnerable uh, and uh, looking at the difficulties of life and, and trying to challenge them. And it's really good. It's a, it's a fairly new podcast. I think she's uh, still in the single digits for episodes, uh, but it's great. Um, and it sounds great. And she's a wonderful person. So yeah, if you want to listen to that, uh, you can find it wherever fine podcasts are available. So, cool. I'll give it a listen. All right. Uh, Kate, I want to thank you again for, uh, for, I mean, Scott, thanks to you or whatever too, yeah, but, uh, whatever, Kate, especially, <laughs> uh, thanks. Thanks for joining the podcast. Uh, you are a fantastic co-host and I think we're both looking forward to having you, uh, on board for this. Cause you have a lot of really insightful shit to say. Yeah. Uh, and we appreciate it. So this is for anybody uh, listening. Later. This is actually the first time I've ever uh, spoken to Kate in my entire life. And I think it's gone very, very well. So, there you go. Thank you. It was a pleasure to meet you in this uh, forum. <laughs> well, next next time next time you come up here, we will uh, definitely not go drink kombucha together because I hate okay. kombucha; it's disgusting. But we'll do something else, we'll, right, we'll Derek? Mo- Derek will mocktails. find something. Mocktails and uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Shotgun, yeah. shotgun, some partakes. Could you imagine? That would be hilarious. Don't, I don't like partakes, right? What? No, you you don't. What you were you ever like a like a beer person? Hop tea. Oh yeah, hop like tea hop. is the, hop tea's pretty good. Yeah, I did it. I did end up trying it. It's pretty good. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay, we'll we'll shotgun some hop teas. <laughs> I can't chug anything with um carbonation though. What? But that's I that's do what, know that. That's what that's 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 all makes you it go so fast. Yeah. Why would you chug <laughs> not carbonated things? <laughs> milk yeah uh, it's a gallon of milk shotgun and a gallon of milk yeah <laughs> all right we're going off no, the rails like, <laughs> all right <laughs> i would always beer i would always have to beer bomb like with the tea not like Ooh. i can never do beer which i found out so is uh we can talk about this after uh i do the sign off because i'm gonna edit okay. all of this shit out but uh <laughs> apparently Right. They drink more twisted tea in Philadelphia than like anywhere else on the planet. Like Philly people love twisted tea. Because they have, well, my brother and his friends, they have like the twisted tea off. So basically like it's a bunch of bros. They stand around and they like say something bro-ish like tea off. And then they all have a chugging competition <laughs> to see who wins first. So... <laughs> Eric, that I sounds like it. something that me and you would have totally done in a previous yeah, absolutely. life. That so hilarious. your brother is directly responsible yeah. Yeah. for twisted tea consumption yeah. in the Philly mm-hmm. area. That's funny. Okay. Uh, if nobody has any further business, meeting adjourned. Bye. Bye. So because I'm the guy who edits the audio and uploads the podcast, I get the opportunity to sneak in secret messages at the end. Uh, Kate, I just wanted to say that I am forever grateful that you came into my life and that you've joined us on the podcast. You are one of the smartest, most thoughtful and sweetest people that I've ever met. And you make my life uh, and me as a person a lot better every day. Uh, I love you a lot and happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) 
disclaimer, nothing in this podcast constitutes medical or professional advice. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, there are a number of resources available. We'll link to these resources in the show notes for each episode so that you can get the support you need. 